This week I was in a conversation with a fellow pastor, and uh, he reminded me that occasionally we need to hear the, the Lord just tell us to shh, be quiet. If you're wondering what the biblical background for such a strange statement is, it's found in Psalm 46, verse 10. The Lord says, Stop your striving and recognize that I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. Shh. Be still and know that I am God. So, We are really good. We are well practiced at bringing requests and statements of opinions to God. But today, I want us to listen to the voice of Jesus saying, Be still and know that I am God. There are a lot of things going on in our world, but this is not necessarily, and I don't think it's a time for activity and noise. This is a time for us to be still be silent as hard as that is for us we need to hear the Holy Spirit's whisper shh be still so lay your list lay our list of requests and concerns and even our praises and our thanks and our just lay it all aside and be still in his presence right now. Thank you for uh, joining for us for this time of worship, celebration, whether you're online or on site, we're honored.
and appreciate your being with us. Uh, we've been working through Psalm, uh, Psalm, Matthew 13, talking about Proverbs that Jesus taught. Matthew collected a, several Proverbs. Uh, all these words that start with the letter P and are trying to all come out at the same time. <coughs> Parables. And he collected a bunch of them in Matthew 13, the 13th chapter. And uh, so here we are going to look at the last several of those in, uh, today. And uh, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read verses 31 to 33 and then 44 to 50 to round out the parables of Jesus. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 31, he told them another parable. He's told them several, and he says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds, or if you're somewhere where they use metric, 27 kilograms of flour. That's a lot of flour. Whether you use it metric or English, that's a lot of flour. She mixed some yeast into that flour until it worked all through the dough. Verse 44, Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up to, on the shore. And they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sometimes we wonder, why doesn't God do something? I mean, this world is a mess. Depending on your political view, the wrong people are in office. They, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought politics into church. Sorry, forgive me. But you know, people complain about this stuff all the time. But they, even worse things are happening. There are tragedies, there are wars, there are accidents, there are all kinds of things that seem to go unanswered in our world. And why doesn't God do something? Why does he seem to be so silent? Why, why does he seem to be so distant and detached? What, when, what is God doing? What is God doing to end the evil in this world? <laughs> now, Jesus' parables do not give us a direct answer to all of our questions, but they bring so everyday events, at least they were everyday events for his time. Uh, 
alongside eternal truth to help us understand spiritual principles. As several of these parables that he's been telling here in Matthew 13 show that God's kingdom has already arrived. God's kingdom is here, and the end of evil is on the way. The mustard seed starts small, but it grows large, but it takes time. Mushrooms grow, grow fast. You know, one day there's not one in your yard, and the next day, boom! There may be a bunch of mushrooms in your yard, or they may be those kinds of things that you're not supposed to eat. You know, toadstools, or I don't know what they're called. Poisonous things. Uh... Those pop up overnight and they don't last very long. Trees take a while. Bushes take a while to grow. Mustard plants that grow into large bushes or trees take time to grow. The pearl of great price came from diligent searching and created great joy and required sacrifice to obtain it. But it took time. It took time for that person to find that pearl and then to go sell everything they had in order to go back and buy it. The treasure in the field caused joy and required sacrifice to obtain it, but it took time. The, the yeast... It, you know, it takes time to turn just a small amount of flour into a loaf of dough that you're going to turn into a loaf of bread. Can you imagine how long it takes to make 60-some pounds of flour into What factory are you going to do, use to process all that dough? You're not going to be processing that in the kitchen, I hope. I have a feeling that when you get yeast in that much dough, your kitchen better be a whole lot bigger than any kitchen I've ever been in. It'll probably blow out the windows. Yeast Given to give the yeast time, it's going to take that 60-some pounds of flour and turn it into one gigantic blob. But it takes time. That dragnet that collects all kinds of fish takes time to catch them, takes time to bring them on shore, and it takes a lot of time to sort them. Keeper, not keeper. Not keeper, not keeper, keeper. What in the world is this? What do we do? Hey, Fred, have you ever seen one of these before? What do we do with this? <laughs> it takes time. It's here, but it <laughs> takes time. Everything that takes time makes us wait, and uh, we hate to wait. We hate to wait. 
We now have apps for fast food, so you can order and pick it up when you get there. The first, the first drive, the first fast food places you went and you ordered it and they prepared it and then they gave it to you. And then they figured out that we were impatient enough that they ought to make stuff ahead of time so that when you got there and you ordered it, they could just get it out from under the warming lights and hand it to you because then people would be happier. And then they found out people really didn't like getting out of their cars. So they made drive-up windows. And then they figured out during the pandemic that people really are really, really in a hurry. So that we just started putting the apps together so you can order it and then they'll just either pick it up at the drive-up or maybe if you're really in a hurry, you can have somebody deliver it to you. Now you can have your heart attack in a sack delivered straight to your house. Making it easier for the ambulance to find you. Never, I didn't say that, did I? I did, okay. Wait, waiting is, is, is what we find difficult. Here, here, here's the, all these parables that tell us the kingdom's here, but it takes time for it to develop and to become all that God intends for it to be. And we find this difficult. And Jesus' followers in his day were not really interested in God's timetable. Dare I say any more than we are? They had one of their own. They had their own. They had their own expectations of what God ought to do and how when He ought to do it, and and that's one of the reasons they had such a big trouble with Jesus. He wasn't fitting their time schedule. Saying that God is delaying His final judgment can sound like saying God is inactive or that He's uncaring and that He's not working. Uh, but when we look at Jesus and his ministry uh, and see what he's doing, we see somebody who's really active. He was deeply compassionate and he was battling evil constantly and he was defeating it. And yet he's still warning, this is just the beginning. This is not the end. This is not the final overthrow of all of God's enemies. And this is not the end of evil in this world. And we live after the cross and after resur the Resurrection Sunday. And we live after Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we know that when God decides to do things, he can do things really fast. Cross, three days later, resurrection, 50 days later, coming of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, and now 2,000 some years later, kingdom is still growing. Like yeast in 60 some pounds of flour, a mustard seed in a garden plot, fishermen sorting fish, somebody trying to sell everything they have. God's kingdom arrived with Jesus 2,000 years ago. But it's not fully uncontested yet. It's already here, but it's not yet uncontested. It's not fully here, and we have to wait. 
I want you have to misunderstand this waiting. This thing of God taking his time. We, we know we know ourselves and so we tend to think that, that taking time and waiting is procrastination. It's not doing anything. But there's a difference between procrastination and patience. God does not delay. He waits. And he does not wait passively. He waits actively. The Holy Spirit is at work in every single person in the world. Seven billion plus. Every single one of those people, the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, actively calling them, beckoning them, wooing them to follow Jesus and to turn to Jesus. He patiently waits on everyone, anyone, anywhere, anytime to respond in faith in any way, shape, or form. And he wants that same kind of patient, active waiting in us. He wants us to join him. Jesus calls us to love actively, to pray continually, and to wait expectantly for the fulfillment of his kingdom. As Jesus' followers, we actively love all kinds of people. We lean on the Holy Spirit to fill us with love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. So everyone, anyone, anywhere, at any time can experience the power of God's grace from a person they actually can see and hear and relate to. We continually pray the way Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, your will be done in my life and in my family, in our church, in our community, in our country, and in our world. Your will be done. Forget what I think needs to happen. If you want suggestions, I have a whole list. But what I really want is your kingdom and your will. And I will wait if I have to. Please don't make me. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it, okay? You can handle it and it will keep us from being as frustrated as we might be. We can actively love, we continually pray, and we wait expectantly because we know that every second that passes on the clock brings us closer to the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus' kingdom. There's two ways of looking at things. We can look at the calendar and say 2,000 years have come and gone and Jesus still hasn't come back. I guess it's not going to happen. Or you're 2,000 years closer than Peter, James, John, and Paul. And they expected it to happen at any moment. Can you imagine how much closer we are than they were? If it could have happened at any moment for them, 
Whoa! We are 2,000 years closer than they were. Now, our descendants may end up being 2,000 years closer than us. We don't know. But that's part of the fun of waiting. When you know something's happening and you don't know when it's going to happen, you just know that every second and minute that ticks off on the clock, you're that much closer. Here's the sermon in a sentence. We love, actively, pray continually, and wait expectantly because every passing moment brings God's kingdom, the fullness of his kingdom, nearer. Even when we don't see it, God is working. You plant a seed. Folks, i got to tell you, the last thing you want to do if you plant seeds is dig them up to see what's happening. Unless, of course, you just want to kill it. Which is counterproductive. That's a big, long word that means dumb. <laughs> if you plant a seed, a mustard seed, in your garden, don't dig it up every day to see if it's sprouted yet. If you don't see it happening, it's still... Things are going on. Even when we don't feel like the Holy Spirit is at work, God is always at work. He always has been. We are certain that God will continue the work that was started and until it is finished on the day when King Jesus returns. What's been started will be finished. And we are invited to work with God just as Jesus did when he walked the earth the first time. He said, Jesus said, God is at work, and I join in the work. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, fill our minds with knowledge and understanding of who you are. Jesus is and how the kingdom works and how your kingdom is already at work in this world. Fill our hearts with wisdom, with your perspective on our lives and on the lives of, this, of our friends and family and of this world. Help us to see things from your vantage point. Fill our agendas with redemption and fill our city with peace like a river. <coughs> You're the same God today that you were in Jesus' day and that you will be on the last day when he returns. It is, no, it is not too early for us to be changed by your grace. So transform us now
We want to know how to love like Jesus loves. He said the greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. Those things are so easy to say. So easy for us to assume that we're doing them. off our blinders and help us to walk and step with you so that we become even more loving toward our God and our neighbors. Gee, Jesus, you are marvelous for me being able to hear prayers every day from every person in every place around this world. And because of your righteous mercy, you've answered some of our smallest prayers in great surprising ways. Enlarge our prayers to match your purpose, to match the coming of your kingdom. bring massive, sudden changes to our attitudes, our families, our city, our nation, our world, far beyond what we've dared to ask so that we just shake our heads in grateful amazement, just minds blown by your awesome as you answer our prayers, make a holy spectacle of your tender, loving power. Cause people in the kingdom and outside the kingdom to stand in jaw-dropping awe of what you've done and draw them to yourself. Satisfy those who have waited patiently for your goodness, who've prayed and longed to see you work again. The tears Satisfy them with joy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Special thanks to uh, those who've uh, joined us online. If uh, you have not already done so, I invite you to join uh, Champions of Hope, our uh, Facebook group. Uh, there's a link in the description for the event. It gives you the opportunity to get some unique content and uh, connect with other people who are infusing others with the hope of Jesus. On a Sunday, about 2,000 years ago, in the evening of the very first resurrection day, Jesus came and stood among his disciples as they huddled in some locked up hiding place 
And they rejoiced when they saw him. Jesus stood among us this morning during this time of worship. And we had opportunity to rejoice with him in his presence. And Jesus says to his disciples, both then and the 2,000 years ago, and now, peace be with you. Just as the Father sent me, I also send you. He breathes on us and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us with your love and power. Folks, you are sent to go. But you're not alone. You go with Jesus. So go. Go.